friendly than that. <laughs> okay, great, thank you. Brilliant. All right, hi everyone, everyone okay? Just Monica, one person's okay. Good stuff. Right, so it's my uh, privilege to carry on um, just with the goals. This is our final goal that we're looking at, which is around missional communities. Um, I'm probably most excited about this goal out of all of them um, because it gets us out on mission, which I think is very exciting. Um, let's just pray before we kick off, shall we? Here we go. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, church and uh, for fellowship and for friendship and for life and we thank you that uh, we can be here together this morning thank you uh, just for trina and the band just just how they led us into your presence uh it's just such an honor to to worship you together having been on our own so often over the last 18 months father god and uh we, it's a privilege to be able to meet as a church to have the freedom to meet and uh, we don't take it lightly. And we, as Moira referenced, the churches that are persecuted around the world, which we'll be looking at next month, Father, we just, we're so selfishly grateful that we don't get persecuted by coming to church, Father God, that Uganda is, has many Christians, many people of great faith. And uh, we pray for this nation this morning, Father. As we look at mission, as you commanded us to go out on mission, Father, give us the courage uh, to live out the calling is on our lives, Father God, to, to love the individual you place in front of us, Father God, but also corporately uh, to, to impact Laboa, Kampala, Uganda, and the nations of this world by your very grace. You promised us that we would see greater things. Father, by your grace, show us how to do that. Amen. Amen, amen. Right, so um, my kids said to me, Dad, I told them a joke this week, and they said, Dad, you've got to share this joke with church. I was like, well, I don't know how to quite link it to the preach. And they're like, well, you just got to tell them, Dad, because it's so funny. If it's not funny, I'm sorry, it, it is my kid's humor. Um, <clears throat> the only link I can think is we're talking about missional communities this morning, and, uh, and this joke is about <clears throat> an individual who's an atheist, so I, I thought there's a bit of a connection there, all right? So always imagine with me for a second, uh, there's a gentleman who's a complete atheist, doesn't believe in God, and one day he's, he's walking out uh, through the forest of this beautiful forest where sort of it's autumn and the golden leaves are falling down, I know there aren't seasons in this country, so just bear with me. Just the pictures you've seen, yeah. So in other parts of the world, there's different seasons, and there's autumn, and, the, and these golden leaves are dropping down in front of him, and there's a river next to him, and it's flowing beautifully, and the sounds of the birds, and he's, he's just loving his walk. Not through creation, as he would call it. He'd call it, you know, just an accident, and it's just uh, miraculously there in front of him. Anyway, as he's walking along, <coughs> along all of a sudden, he hears this loud growl behind him, and he turns and looks over his shoulder, and there behind him is this almighty, massive bear, which sets an, an immediate panic in his heart. And uh, <clears throat> he, he thinks, uh, I better start running. So sure enough, he, he starts accelerating through this wood as fast as he can go, but this bear chases him, and he keeps looking over his shoulder, and the panic is continuing to rise in his heart. And so he runs faster and faster. In fact, he starts running so fast, he doesn't see this little root from a tree in front of his foot. And sure enough, he goes flying onto the ground. And in a second or two, this bear is upon him and puts one paw on his chest. He raises his right paw and he is about to kill this gentleman. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my God, out loud. 
and suddenly everything stops. Okay, so the trees stop rustling, the river stops flowing, the leaves stop falling, everything is frozen, and even the bear is not moving. And this bright light appears before him. And he says, yes, you called me. And he's like, ah. He says, well, God, I, as you know, I'm an atheist, and I, I don't believe in you, and I feel it would be very hypocritical of me, of me to ask for any help from you right now. But I would be ever so grateful if you could make this bear a Christian. God says, that's fine. I can, I can certainly do that. No worries. So sure enough, God does it. And in a flash, uh, the light disappears, the, the leaves start falling, the r- river starts flowing, and the bear comes back to life. And before his very eyes, the bear gets onto his knees, puts his hands together, and says, God, for this meal I'm about to receive, I am truly grateful. <laughs> and that's the end of our man. There we go. Right. So what's the link? Well, the link is we are called to reach out uh, non-Christians and atheists. They don't have to suddenly appear for a bear and suddenly try and possibly come to faith. I guess that's the only link I can make for it. Okay, here we go. Let's, let's jump on. Okay. Um, so here's our last goal. 20 missional small groups. Okay, by 2023. I have to admit, I looked at this over... The weekend and panic started rising in my heart. I thought, how on earth did we ever come up with 20? I blame Moira. Uh, no, it's not, not, not at all. I was like, that's quite a high number for us. Um, but it's possible. Yeah, two years, God, and two years, God pretty much transformed the known world with um, 12 disciples. There's more of us than 12. So all things are possible. So I'm going to try and unpack for us what we mean by this. And I know for some of us, missionary communities, might be a new concept that you've never heard of. Maybe you've never been in a church that has ever had missional communities, okay? So I want to try and just articulate for you what it is, what it looks like, and at the end, we're going to have a few minutes in small groups just to start sort of brainstorming some ideas around missional communities, okay? Um, first of all, I think the one thing to make really clear to all of us, and we know this so well, and in fact, uh, the net started with this with Isaiah 61, where God commands us to go out and preach the good news, yeah? Uh, The Spirit of God is upon me, yeah? To preach the good news to the poor and the lost. As well as that, throughout Scripture, God has called us to be on mission, okay? And I don't know about you, but I think for me, it's one of the things I find most scary, all right? Because it's where you can get a bit of flack, it's where you can get persecuted, it's where you can be laughed at, and we've all been there for our faith, okay? But if we jump to the next slide, In all four Gospels, okay, not only do you see Jesus continuously talking about preaching the kingdom, yeah, and examples of people being sent out almost instantly from coming to faith to to sharing their faith, Um, but particularly in uh, Matthew 28 here, I'm going to read this in a second, and also Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 15, in all four Gospels, he gives this great commission to us, and I think out of the four, this is the one that really uh, resonates with me. It says, therefore... This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Taking one other quick example, Mark 16, he said to them, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So, 
let's uh, jump on. So what's the big idea here? Yeah? What do we mean by us being missional? Okay, it's a really good question to ask. What's the point? Well, the big idea behind exploring a new flavor of group life is our desire to increasingly become a radically mission-minded church that transforms culture around us. So the big idea really is that we are radical disciples who are on mission. So it's not just the culture that we talked about for us as a church, but it's taking kingdom culture out into the world around us, into our workplaces, onto the streets, into our areas where God takes our very feet. If we jump on, Jimmy. Okay. So to create a radical mission-minded church that transforms culture. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, we are to create a radical mission-minded church that transforms culture. Turn to the person next to you and just say that out loud. That's awful. This was a summative at school. You'd get, you'd get like an F. Let's try that again. Okay, let's do it. Let's say it as a church. So at the beginning. One, two, three, again. To create a radical mission-minded church that transforms culture. Okay? Uh, let's jump on, Jim. Okay, so first of all, we have to understand what do we mean by being missional? And really, this is our finding our place in Jesus' mission to connect to lost people that he loves. All right? Jimmy, so jump again, yeah. Um, so ultimately, we're finding our place in Jesus' mission to connect to lost people he loves. And the great thing here is it's not about us going out on ourselves and not being part of a community. We are part of this wider community where we encourage each other. We talked last week about testimonies, hearing about what God breaks through. When I hear something happens in Dawn's life, I think, wow, that's amazing. That's happened over there. I, Beth and I take encouragement from that. Or we, we talk, often we talk with Moira and Jerry sometimes when life's not easy about marriage and, 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 and just life and raising kids and they share their own stories and that encourages us. Whether we talk about, um, I talked to Sarah, maybe at, because at school at ISU, we share our faith and some of the challenges maybe and, and opportunities. And, and Moira, I know, is really good often over the years praying faithfully around ISU, which is her area of influence. All right, so we're together. We're in a fellowship. We're in a family. And that is encouraging. And that's the importance of knowing each other yeah, and having fellowship and being encouraged on that. So to be a follower of Jesus means that we are all called to be missionaries, going on mission. It's not optional. I'd hate to say, and I find this hard, but God says he commands us to go. Yeah, so we don't have a choice. And one day we will stand before God and he'll ask, you know, what have you, what have you done with this great treasure of knowing me as your father? Okay, and, and I know that's really scary. And I think in the years past, I would often go, I've got a good friend, Steve Wilson, who... Um, I was the best man at his wedding, and we're, we're, we're very close. We've got many years of life together. And uh, he's, he's always frightened me because he's a natural evangelist. Yeah, so I compare myself to him. And early on in our friendship, I'd be, well, he's the evangelist. He does that. I just love people and pray and pray for, you know, deliverance and ministry and healing, and that's who I am. But God said to me when I said, well, no, we're all called on mission. It's not about... Yeah, yes, there's this favor on certain people to have a huge impact, yeah, in different ways, okay? But all, we're faithfully called to be on mission and to love the lost in front of us, all right? So it's not optional. And in the New Testament, we see the continued training, not of mature believers, but new believers, people who just suddenly come to faith, okay? And their call was simply to go and retell what they had learned from Jesus or from the disciples 
almost immediately. And I don't know about you, but I find often when people come to faith initially, they're so passionate about their faith. I was. I remember when I first became a Christian, I couldn't stop telling my friends and all the rest of it. But then somewhere along that journey, either through rejection or laughter or ridicule, I just lost that fiery edge. Okay, and so maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you are. Like, yes, where I, I used to be like that. I somehow lost it. All this pandemic has really knocked it out of me. And I just, I haven't got it in me right now. But God's got grace for you. Grace for you today to find that joy and that, and that love and, and, and that ability to share it with others. Okay, and as you know, one of our cultures at KICL is a culture of discipleship. And a disciple simply means a learner. And much of our learning happens on the job as we imitate Jesus. Jesus showed us that going on mission is something that we can start doing from our very earliest days of starting to follow him. Bible study, training, growth, maturity, that's all vital, okay? And often that can supercharge us in the sense of our walk with God being on mission. But in the same way, mission, just like worship and fellowship, is an essential part of discipleship and the very start of our Christian journey. Reggie McNeil puts it like this. We just jump on, okay? We must change our ideas of what it means to develop a disciple, shifting the emphasis from studying Jesus and all things spiritual in an environment protected from the world to following Jesus into the world to join him in this, in his redemptive mission. Okay, so thankfully, being missional does not mean door-to-door leafleting or standing on street corners and shouting at people. Can we just jump to the next one? So often you see this, you know, the end of the world is in December 2018 this year. Lord Jesus Christ is coming with an angel. Judgment, everyone, (laughs) in December. I think Jesus cries when he sees that. I honestly do. It's just like, how's that going to help people come into the kingdom? Okay, now, I have to admit, the one thing I admire when I see people like this or with megaphones and the rest of it is their courage. And, And God does often convict me when I judge people. And I have to admit, I do judge people quite a lot around Kampala. In fact, we've got a wonderful lady who works work for us at home. And um, I, I remember every night when we first arrived in Uganda, we used to live in Regina Estate up here. And I used to drop her on the corner by Entebbe, on the corner of Entebbe by Roofings. I don't know if there's a guy still there now, but there used to always be a gentleman there shouting and screaming the kingdom to anyone who walked past him. Initially his voice and then his megaphone. And I remember, because um, Winnie, um, a lovely, our lovely, lovely maid, she, she's, she's got a wonderful faith. And I remember we had these discussions, and I said to her, I said, Winnie, I don't think that's how we share the kingdom. I think we've got to do it through relationship and uh, getting to know people. You know, it's all well and good being on the street and, uh, and maybe shouting at people, but I don't think that brings them any closer. And I was trying to understand the culture of Uganda, because in the United Kingdom, if you do that, they will never go near you. They'll never, it will just confirm their very worst of what they think about Christianity, and they'll never walk into church. So we had this huge thing, and, and I was very judgmental and self-righteous about it, telling her, as I judged this gentleman on the street corner. Um, now, a few months ago, um, when he comes back to our home, she lives in Entebbe on the weekend, and she came back, and she, she'd lost her voice. And I was like, Winnie, what's happened to your voice? She says, oh, I've been preaching the gospel. I was like, oh, oh great. Where? She says, oh, I've been on the street. I was like, oh, Okay. Um, it says, in fact, Rory, I, 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 I'm really looking for a megaphone because I'd like to shout about the kingdom of God on the street. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. I felt so convicted. I was like, here I was with Winnie just two years earlier judging people on the corners of their megaphone shouting the kingdom of God. So I want to say it very carefully and say, 
I've got no right to judge them at all. God could well be calling them, you know, to, to, to be shouting this out. And I think God often says to me when I think about it, he says, well, where are you, Rory? What are you doing? Who did you last share the kingdom with? When did you last share your faith? Who is it that puts you in the right to judge that very person? And I felt so terribly convicted. So God's, you know, I'm on a journey myself. Um, so when you look at these guys, please don't ever judge them. That's very wrong. Um, I think admire their courage and really say, God, bless them. I pray that they do have opportunities to share their faith with people and give me that courage that I don't mind what people think. Yeah? Okay. I should try. I think, I, I think it'd be quite interesting to have a Mazungu on the corner of roofings with a megaphone. I think it'd, it'd probably actually create quite a stir, wouldn't it? Probably get into the news vision or monitor before I know it, and uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so thankfully, what I'm talking about this morning, though, is it's not about necessarily not door-to-door knocking, as we call it in England, and leafleting and stand, standing in the corner and shouting, okay? But really, it's about us being missional. It's about loving and bringing the kingdom to people that we love and who Jesus loves. So missional is about living a naturally supernatural life, wherever we find ourselves and wherever the Lord directs us. So being missional simply means I live life with a deliberate intent to give away the good stuff God has poured into my own life in Christ, okay? It's following the Lord into the harvest fields and becoming an answer to his own prayer, which he said in Matthew 9, send more workers into the fields. So a missional mindset is more than just bringing friends to a church meeting, as good as that is, okay? But it's about bringing the influence of the kingdom wherever you are in your lives. And I love this quote from George MacLeod, if we just jump on. It says this, I simply argue that the cross, and you've heard me say this before, I simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace, as well as on the steeple of the church. I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on the town garbage heap, at a crossroad, so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew and Latin and in Greek. At the kind of place where cynics talk, smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble, because that is where he died, and that is what he died about, and that is where a churchman ought to be, and what churchmen should, churchmen should be about. Amen. Yeah, I just, I think for me, we could actually just look at that and, and talk about that for the next two hours, yeah? It, it just embodies everything about what Christ is calling us uh, to do and where to be, okay? So the question then is, well, okay, that's fine, Rory, but what is a missional community group? Really, it's an extended family doing the mission of God together in community. Let me say that again. If we just jump to next one, Jimmy, thanks. Okay, so it's an extended family doing the mission of God together, in community. I want to stress that last part, together, in community. All right? I'm not trying to hold you back if you've got the individual courage to go and do certain things, but at the same time, you're part of a fellowship, okay? We're doing this together. So, a missional community, if I could summarize it in one quote, if we jump on, okay, I would say this. It's a group of people, roughly the size of an extended family, now, I'm talking as a Muzungu here, okay? Because my Ugandan friends have a family of like 200, 300, all right? We're not, we're not much good beyond the first cousin. In fact, often we're not much good beyond the brother and sister, all right? <laughs> we're pretty awful at family, all right? Learning to follow Jesus, living as an incarnational community, taking personal ownership and responsibility for a God-given vision, 
They are lightweight and low maintenance in style, bringing transformation through their extension of the kingdom, the message of the Father, and the transformation of culture. So let's unpack that a bit further. Here are some core values of what I think community is about. Okay? First of all, family. An extended family of fun and friendship. All right? So a missional community is a group large and dynamic enough to be able to effectively engage an area of missional activity that brings real impact, change, and life. Typically, from uh, ones that I've, I've been part of over the years and seen and read about, okay, there are groups ranging roughly from 10 to 30 people. They are united by a common vision and common service, either to a particular place, like we could say Laboa, or to specific people, maybe after teachers or nurses or policemen, whatever it might be, or around a certain passion, like fitness or running, or often I say coffee, what, okay, something that brings them together. It doesn't have to be just one, and I'll give some examples at the end to, to show you. Okay? So missional communities at their core are a community of people who love to be together and know how to have fun. Let me say that again. Love to be together and know how to have fun, as well as being a place of identity and generosity. This community on mission together to impact a particular place, people, area, passion, okay? by incarnating the gospel into that specific context. So incarnating, it's, it's like we are the physical representation of Jesus Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah? We're bringing the kingdom. We're living filled with the Spirit out in community. All right? So family, and that's just so foundational. Secondly, discipleship. Okay? Learning to follow Jesus together. So mission communities are places where we become disciples and make disciples. So in Scripture, if you've been through... Um, Monica and her team's wonderful discipleship course, okay? They know that the Greek word is... <laughs> I'm being mean, aren't I? I didn't warn you. Okay. Am I saying it right? If I say math, math, mathetis? Mathetis? <laughs> we don't do it in Greek. Okay. So disciple, the, the original the Greek word is mathetis, okay? Which simply means a learner. All right? So a disciple is a learner. We're all learners. To be a disciple then is to become someone who learns how to be like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. So, missional communities are brilliant contexts, okay, where this learning can take place. Because discipleship was never meant to be divorced from mission. Does that make sense? It's not, I just go off and be a disciple for the rest of my life. I can go and do classes and get, and uh, I've got friends that do this, you know, get my degree, and then I get my master's, and then I get my PhD, and then I get my MBA, and then I get my DDA, then my BBC, and ICA, and RK, and then I put up my business card. And I never actually go and do anything, but I know about it. And I remember this at university. I don't know about you, but school or university, I get these wonderful lectures that tell me about how you do the, 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 I study business and IT, how you do it, but they've never left the educational system. So I then arrive in business the first day, and my first boss says to me, Rory, forget everything that you have studied. It's completely irrelevant. Wonderful theory. But in reality, it's nothing like that. <laughs> so the same for disciples. We don't just study the Bible. We, sh we should do that. But if we don't then actually go and apply it and bring it to life, really it means nothing. Does that make sense? It's, 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 the study has got to have a reaction. It's got to have an action. It's got to have an outplay. And, and being a disciple is, yes, it's understanding and knowing the scriptures and walking with God, but it's living it in community and in fellowship and on mission, in missional community. So you, you mature in your walk with God. Yeah? And it's not, I think there's a danger sometimes in churches like, 
oh, I don't know if we can let this person go and do this, you know, we've got to wait for a few more years. Okay, yes, so the, 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 there's a wisdom in who we put into leadership and the rest of it, but at the same time, I think we've been so bad at just releasing people, ultimately not just coming in on Sunday to focus on the church and think, let me get on a rotor, let me get on this, let me do this, let me do that. It's more how can we as a church equip each other to be effective in life on the other days of the week. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, so it's equipping and sending rather than equipping and just focusing in on the Sunday service. I hope that makes sense. Okay. So a core value of MCs is that everyone can play and participate. Everyone in the, in the missional community, MC, comes ready to give more than they receive. Okay? So the leaders of those missional communities need to step back and create space for others to walk into all the giftings that they have. Okay? We're learning to follow Jesus together. So what I love about it is it gives everyone opportunity yeah, to, to learn how to, to lead, how to disciple, how to love, how to pray, how to minister, how to share their faith, yeah? All these things, all right? It's not just for the few, but it's for everyone to take part, all right? So A, family, B, discipleship, C, mission. Is everyone okay so far? Yeah? Is it clear? Yes. One for Monica, it's clear. That's good. Okay, I tell you, that's <laughs> so hard on masks to read. Okay, so C, mission, it's an incarnational community, all right? So we have a strong value on life together. The group is set up with the expressed intention of seeing those they impact choose to start to follow Jesus. But through the means of a more dispersed incarnation empowered model of mission. Let me explain that. Incarnational, all right, is simply a word that means to live among people and demonstrate through words and deeds that God is good. Let me say that again, okay? Incarnational is simply a word that means to live among people and demonstrate through words and deeds that God is good. Okay? That reminds me of another joke, which I think will just um, keep you going for the next, uh, we'll finish off the next bit. So I think one thing I've looked over the years is, is like um, uh, monasteries and um, covenants and the rest. I love these people, and I, I think some of the most amazing writing that I've read over the years outside the Bible has come from people that have lived in these communities, focusing on God. And it, it's wonderful. And again, I'm not ever going to judge any of those people, okay? Perhaps that's what God's called them to. My only concern about it is this, is that they, they learn to focus and then be in God's presence continuously, 24-7, yeah? But they're not impacting the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, they're, they're often they're, they're in these wonderful places and not out on mission. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but... but for me, as, as a Christian, if I look at Scripture and what Christ calls us to, He calls us to go, to share the kingdom of God. All right. So here's the joke, just to, to lighten it up, slain. There's a gentleman one day, and um, he's driving this old car. What's a car that breaks down very often, Jerry? Give me a bad car. What's a car that breaks down very often? Sorry. Oh, it's too political. Okay, right. I'll say Moira's car. Moira's red car. I love Moira's red. Have you ever seen Moira's red sports car? Has anyone seen it? She's got this brilliant little red car. I'm very jealous of it. She once gave me a lift with Reuben, and Reuben sat in the middle. You remember that, Moira? Okay, so I love her car. So let's say it's Moira's car. Moira's car is borrowed by this gentleman one day, and it happens to be in Europe, and it's raining, and uh, this car breaks down. And uh, uh, so the gentleman walks up to the local monastery where the car's broken down and knocks on the door and says, my car's broken down. And the guy's, I'm very sorry to hear that. And uh, he says, do you mind if I stay the night? He says, of course you can. Because you know, often these people, they're very generous, very loving. So 
he comes in and um, he, he gets a, a bed in this monastery. And during the night, about two o'clock in the morning, he hears this, this strange singing, this strange noise coming from far away in the monastery. He's like, what on earth is that? And uh, he, he's, he's so inquisitive that in the morning he says to the guy that had answered the door, he says, could you please tell me what, what was that wonderful sound that I heard last night while I was sleeping? And the, and the monk says to him, I'm afraid I can't tell you unless you become a monk. And he goes, oh, okay. He says, well, um, he's so intrigued He's like, okay, well, I'm going to become a monk because I want to find out what that noise was, all right? So um, he first of all says, well, you've got to spend six months in quiet without saying anything. So he spends six months and um, he's literally uh, not speaking for six months at all, okay? And then after that, he has six months of studying original uh, New Testament in Greek and then in Hebrew, all these various things. Anyway, it takes him over a year to become a monk. And one day, the guy says to him, he says, well... Um, you are now officially a monk. And he says, well, I'd love to hear what that noise was. He says, that's fine, I can, I can do that. So he says, follow me. Takes him down this long corridor and goes down these dusty stairs and then under this dungeon, back up another side and starts walking up this tower. Now, I haven't got time, but this is a very long joke. And if you ever tell your kids, you can drag it on for much further, all right? But he carries on and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he gets up to the very door and he gets to the door and he's about to walk in and the guy gets the key out, puts the key in and he opens the door to reveal what's behind it. Would you like to know what's behind that door? Good. You have to be a monk to know. Okay. <laughs> That's a time where it's a terrible joke. Thank you. Oh, dear. Right. Okay. How do we get onto that? My wife's going to say, Rory, why did you bring that joke in? Right. Okay. <laughs> so the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. So basically, we're living out the kingdom of God in our communities. Right. Next one. D, Vision. Personal ownership and responsibility. This is really critical. It's critical that each of these missional communities um, take responsibility okay, for their missions. All right? So it's not about Monica, Moira, Annette, Joe, Beth and I you know, having ownership of this. It's about you individually taking ownership of your missional community. So it's you finding your passion or joining in a commissional community that you're passionate about. And together as a group, you take ownership for that. Okay. Um, I think historically, a lack of ownership is one of the greatest causes for many feeling disempowered to take responsibility for the Great Commission. Someone else is going to do it. Someone else is going to run the Alpha course. Someone else is going to share their faith. I'm just going to focus on, does that make sense? Yeah, so it's a collective responsibility within the various missional communities. Right, next one. Um, life change. So mission community is also about transformation of people's lives through serving. I think the danger sometimes of a church is often what we do is um, when you go home, it's like, well, how was church? Yeah, well, Trina was on form, Rory's preached, nah, you know, whatever it was. Um, we, and I have this attitude as well, and, and Beth would often, could often tell you many stories where I do this, and I think it's because we have a consumer attitude, isn't it? We go in, what are you going to give me? Okay, I need my worship time, I want to hear a good talk, uh, thank you very much, and then off you go in your life, rather than let me come in and what service? How can I serve this fellowship? Okay, but what's exciting is mission communities take it out of the Sunday and put it in 24-7. What, how can I serve this particular passion that I'm passionate about? Does that make sense? How can I serve this community or these particular, this, this location or whatever it is? All right? So it's about serving each other, all right? And serving those that God puts in front of us. If we jump to the next one. Okay. And... Lastly, really, the, the last core part of it, okay, we are ambassadors representing, 
okay? Compiled International Church, our core mission, representing God, representing the kingdom, representing Jesus Christ out in the community. And these are incredible vehicles that take the kingdom out. They're mobile, prophetic in nature, all right? which means that our specific calling from God can reach and serve areas of our local culture that we can't currently connect to. So as a church, we can only connect to so much. But if we empower and release all of us to be out on mission, following the calling, we've all got different callings in our lives, yeah? And as well as that, God has not brought us together accidentally. It's not an accident that you're part of KICL. I promise you that God, over the coming months, will draw you into various groups where you think, oh, wow, I didn't realize that Moira was also passionate about technology like me and IT and Apple computers and all these, whatever it might be. Or I didn't realize that, that Dawn, like um, Jerry, love um, street children and want to go and serve street children somewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah. So God has a prophetic calling on all our lives, but also he will, he will knit it together like he always does. This wonder, wonderful tapestry and, mon- and mosaic um, of life and mission. All right? And within this last part where we're representing KICL's core mission, all right, we're called to bring the kingdom of God, express the Father heart of God, and transform culture. So what we're going to do now to finish is I'm going to get you into groups, and I'm going to give you a couple of tools. And I want you just to have, just for five minutes or so, have a quick discussion using these prompts. I'm going to explain them to you quickly, okay, um, about... Um, what might be on your heart? And this is your chance to share with others. And maybe at the moment you're like, Rory, do you know what? I've got no idea at all. I don't know what I'm passionate about. Okay, that's fine. But God, what he might do is he might through someone else, say Beth's in your group, you might hear her say about creativity and interior design. Oh, I never thought of that. And wow, okay, there's a connection there. All right, so what we're going to do in a minute is we're going to break into groups and we're just going to start this process and then we're going to be sending some further stuff in the coming weeks to unpack this. And then what we're going to do through the process is ultimately, really, we want to be identifying um, a certain number of missions, not 20 to begin with, okay? I would say possibly three, five, maybe seven. I'm not sure on the exact number yet. Um, But we're going to gather the thoughts of us as a fellowship and have a look at the different things that God's calling each of us into. And as well as that, we've also put budget behind this. We're going to put resources behind the passions of your heart to get us out into Laboa and beyond. Let me just jump, um, Jim, just jump to the next slide. Sorry, I know you're balancing two things. Let me just show you two quick slides. Okay, just jump on. Okay, so first of all, here's my question. What is God saying to you and what are you doing about it? Let me say that again. What is God saying to you and what are you doing about it? An easy way to remember it is page, okay? So prophetic, what is God saying to you right now at this very moment? A, affinity, what areas interest you, like sports, music, teachers, areas, communities? And uh, G, I've missed the E, haven't I? Oh, I was there, sorry, it's bad. I didn't do a return on it. Right, gifts, G for gifts. What gifts um, uh, do you have and where would they be put to good use? All right, then E, entry points. What opportunities do you have at the moment? Okay, so you might say, well, Roy, I'm really passionate about surfing. I say, oh, we're in a landlocked country. I mean, I'm sure you are. <laughs> I mentioned this, actually, because we met a Christian family yesterday in Tebe, and um, they're passionate about sur- surfing back in California one day. That's one of their ministries, but maybe, which, which is great. It's not, it's not right time for them right now, because we're a landlocked country, okay? Um, but what passions, where are the opportunities, where's the openings to you right now? If we just do one more, Jimmy, quickly. Next slide. 
We'll come back to this one. Okay, and like I said before, I want you to think around people, okay, particular groups of people that you feel drawn to, you have affinity. It might be students, it might be young people, musicians, school teachers, etc. People from other nations. Places, other particular neighborhoods or streets. Okay, I've just put some reference, you know, called the shopping area, the Entebbe Road, the shops, um, up above the hub where they had the fire last week. You know, do you feel passionate about supporting those people? Um, or lastly, is it a passion, you know, playing football, board games, technology, young, what, what, what is your passion? It, it, you don't have to get one in each of those different areas, but is there one that resonates with you? Jim, if we just jump to the other, um, uh, the other window that I showed you at the beginning, if we just jump over on the window. Thanks. I just want to give you a couple of examples from, from a church we used to be part of years ago. Can we just um, click on the next one? Yeah, let's go up slightly. Yeah, click there. That's it. Click. No, yeah, you were in the right place. Sorry, guys. Let me just do this very quickly. So here, and then we can just go up and down in a second or two. Okay. So um, th this is a church that's running, I don't know, 30, 40 of these at the moment. Um, the, the, Phil Cox, an old friend of mine, at the moment he's running one called like Dad's Brunch. So he gets fathers. He's passionate about fathers. Gets them together once a month, has a cooked breakfast with them. Okay. Um, Lingo, I've got no idea what that is. Um, can't quite read, it's a bit small for me. But um, football. So he's passionate about football. Uh, the next one. Passionate about running. This group likes to run five kilometers. <clears throat> Maybe you want to get a group of people and start running five kilometers. God bless you. I'll do one kilometer with you. <laughs> but then others, what will happen is that with this missional community, what you'll realize is through conversation, others will be, oh, can I join you for that run? Okay? And what you'll do on that run is you don't suddenly start bashing them on the head and taking a megaphone and preaching about the kingdom of God. You just love the person. You get to know them. And in time, there's opportunities to invite them in your life. And as a group, you love them. And trust me, people will be interested and want to find out more about church and about the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Yeah? So just scroll down. Let's just look at one more example, and then we'll break into these groups. Um, so back to basics Bible study. So you might just be like, you know what I do? Okay, for this season, um, I haven't mentioned it, but we've talked about small groups before. This mission community is also small groups. It might be right for this season, I just need some input. I don't want to be out on mission. I just want to gather some friends and just dive into scripture for the next two months. I feel called to do that. And then that's fine. Okay, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, young men's Bible study, similar idea. Love moment, no idea. I can't read the small thing. Feast with family. That's where basically people get together for food and they just rotate the different people um, around food. Okay, and so you get a chance to invite non-Christian friends to have a meal with you. And it's all about cooking. Okay, so I don't want to box you in and say this is the only stuff you can think about. I just want to try and inspire you with some different examples. Okay, so let's jump back to the other window. Back, to back one slide. If we get into groups like last time, we're just going to do this for five minutes and then we're done. Is that okay? Yeah? Cool. So don't worry, you just, just share some ideas. Say, look, you know, this is stuff, and, and maybe just share hobbies, things you like doing, and just have a discussion and just draw each other out. Okay? Does that sound good? Yeah? Um, Jerry, Moira, Monica, Matt, I'm going to put you into this as well right now. And, but can you make sure you, one of you are in each group as well, just to sort of, you don't have to drive the discussion, but just to be in it. So if we have one group in the corner, you guys are sitting nicely there already, okay, with Matt. Um, if we have one over Sarah, around Sarah, that corner there, that's great. Alex in the middle. All right, so I'll put one group around you here. Okay, um, and then Dawn, okay. We'll go back one slide. Sorry. 
And then the slide is up there, so you can reference that just to spark the conversation around those different areas. Okay, and we'll just do this for five, five minutes, okay?